You're listening to Her Path to Success, a podcast to empower women to pursue a career that aligns with their passions and core values. We encourage women to show up, take actions, and thrive in their own ways. If you're looking to get inspired and expand your mind, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Her Path to Success. This is your host Peggy Wu. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to a friend, colleague, and former coworker. My special guest is Karen A. Clark. She is a multifaceted woman, a matriarch, a professional, an artist, and a philanthropist. I first met her when we both worked at City National Bank. Where she still serves as the multicultural strategies manager. One of the things that impresses me most about Karen A is her unique ability to merge her button-up professional role in finance with her creative side as a musician, artist, and author. In this episode, she explains how the two sides of her personality have driven her and helped her to make huge impacts in the world. If you are striving to find more balance in your life, this will be an inspiring and motivational listen for you. So next, let me introduce you to Karen A. Clark. Hello, Karen A. Thank you for being here. Tell us more about you. Well, I am Karen A. Clark, and I want to thank you, Peggy Wu, for having me on your show. And a little bit about me. Is that you and I met at City National Bank, where I still work, and I am the multicultural strategy manager and business development、uh, manager at City National, and I also am a entertainer. I don't like to say you know singer or dancer because it's when you put the whole thing together,、um, you get my vibe. So I'm, a, I'm an entertainer and a producer. And I am about to publish my first book, and my third music CD, and my first podcast in order to promote it all. And I can't wait to learn more from you because you stepped outside of your comfort zone and you are doing it. No problem. If you have any questions, you come ask me. I'm right here for you. So, Karen A, tell us about the first book you're writing. Yeah, so the first book is called Hashtag Through the Glass Ceiling, and it's all about my adventures in corporate America over this past, gee, three and a half decades dealing with C-suite、um, individuals, right? And it's my adventures and traveling all over the country and all over the world and international and domestic assignments, but being thrust into that. C-suite、uh, level at a very very young age, just by you know circumstances, and so this book is all about that professional in a company in a corporation that is really aspiring to get to that you know to that level. Now I haven't shattered the glass ceiling. I've always been you know a layer removed from the CEO, which is very comfortable for me. But because of the nature of the jobs that I do, I operate. You know, at that C-suite level with CEOs and vice chairmen and you know the executives that run the company, and it's been a fascinating journey.、Um, and I've been in divisions.、Uh, I started in commercial real estate, and I moved into corporate diversity in an international assignment. And I've been a 
personnel generalist in human resources and a, uh, I've managed community reinvestment for uh, a bank. I started a multicultural marketing program for the fifth largest bank in the United States. And here I am at City National where I've had a ton of career firsts and career highs. And uh, I've had a, a lovely life. I've been able to merge my artistic side with my business side. And, um, and it's just been a, a really good, fun time. So Karen A, I want you to travel down the memory lane and tell me, how did you first get into banking? I was always one of those people who was so practical. I thought I had to have a backup plan. And so instead of just studying, you know, dance, theater, you know, all of that sort of thing in college, I majored in economics so I could have a backup plan and I minored in all the other stuff. And I also got married and had two children before I graduated from college with my husband and I. And he was taking our kids to um, to class on his fanny pack, you know, on his little backpack, but it was actually in the front. He had a front pack. And uh, so I was doing a lot in college, right? And when he graduated with a communications major and a fine film minor with two shorts in the can, came to LA with our two kids because I didn't want to come. And our kids were only like two and three years old. So he got a job in an indie film company here in LA and he moved with our kids. And I didn't come. I thought he was bluffing. I'm like, no, you're not going to really go. <laughs> and I was so comfortable in my environment and doing a lot of theater arts, a lot of shows in Northern California. We both went to Cal State U Sacramento, but he packed them up, he packed them up with our meager belongings and a U-Haul and came to LA. And after a month, they didn't come back and I was finished with the theater production. So I came to LA and that's how I got here. And so he was really smart. He knew if he bought the kids, I would, you know, follow her. <laughs> and that's how I got to LA. So I started going on auditions and I have an agent. I didn't know anybody. There was no Googling. There was no nothing. I'm, you know, hearing about auditions. I'm going on his audition. Nothing is happening. And it's crazy. It's a whole different trip, you know, than in Northern Cal. And I said, doggone it. He's not making any money in an indie film company. I'm not making any money. I'm going to have to go get a real job. And I went to a headhunter with my degree in economics and she called and she said, I have an interview at Wells Fargo Bank. And I said, oh no, I don't want to be a teller. That's terrible. All my friends were tellers in college. They hated it. They couldn't balance. I don't want to do that. She said, no, it's with commercial real estate. With commercial. And that's how I ended up with a career in financial services, but I never stopped performing. I never stopped performing. And my husband, he and I wrote plays. We produced them in many uh, churches around the city. And, um, and then we started an independent record label seasick records and we produced three artists and including myself and you know started putting out some cds and so my first cd was actually released in 2007 because he said you know what you need to do your projects i mean you're doing these shows and stuff but you always wanted to record a cd you always wanted to write a book and so we recorded we did that cd and that led to you know the second cd and i'm i'm working on the third my husband passed in the meantime he passed before the second one and, um, <clears throat> but I'm working on the third, it's done. I just need to get it mixed and mastered. And, um, and, and I have three books really that are almost complete because I've been writing in notebooks by longhand for years. 
And so it's a matter of lifting all that content out and transcribing it, getting an editor and, and doing it. So I've just decided that I thought the timing was good for the corporate one because there's so many, I coach people day in and day out, young people, right? That are just looking for, how do I make my way? How do I distinguish myself? How do I, what does it take beyond just hard work? And so I coach people all the time and people are saying, you should write a book, you should write a book. So I'm like, okay, I'm just about done with this one because I've been writing stories of my adventures in corporate America for years. So now I'm just embedding, you know, the lessons and take, you know, that kind of thing. I bet a lot of people would be envious of how you've been able to mix the artistic side of yourself with the business side. How did you do it? How do you marry the creative side of you with your banking career? You know, it's so funny because for the longest time, I thought I had to keep them separate, right? And so I would be doing shows, whether it was in theater or on a stage somewhere. And I felt like, oh my God, I can't tell people work. I'm doing this. I mean, I don't know why I thought that, but you know, it used to be so buttoned up, right? So buttoned up. And so, you know, just um, compartmentalized. City National came calling. And one of the reasons, well, they, my former manager, he said, now we know about your entertainment career. It's not going to be a conflict. And I'm like, I was like, oh, really? You know, he's like, we are the entertainment bank. That would be real, you know, freedom. One time um, in 2019, I did a show and I just shared the flyer with people in marketing. And I was so uh, touched that about 35 of them, you know, bought a, bought a ticket and came to the show. And it was so lovely to have, you know, all of these colleagues that I work with, like in my division, you know, at the, in the theater. In the show. Karen A., tell me more about your music. What type of music do you create? My genre, it's a... It's a, um, it's an, it's a, it's an adventure on stage. And I call it, I, my current show is um, Tales. It's called Love Stories, Tales of an African Queen. And it's really all about my life. So every song is a story, but my genre is really a real sassy, sexy spoken word with hooks. So I got, you know, three background singers and, you know, band, and it's a real, you know, interacting with the, audience and telling stories that people can, you know, really relate to, you know, just fun stuff, you know, some sad stuff, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and my, my two sweet spots are jazz festivals and intimate, you know, supper clubs. So now I want to change gear and ask you, what do you love about your banking job? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna tell you what I love is the is I love working with the people. And I love the fact that it is so small, you can really touch people and you can really impact people and you can really get to know people. And when I first joined City National, that is what scared me because I had come from the big banks, you know, Wells, Bank of America, US Bank. And there was comfort in those big numbers, especially in a high profile position, right? Because it's kind of like, you know, people are gonna be looking at me anyway, um, I don't want everybody looking, what if I make a mistake, you know, or what if, you know, I, you know, and so when I came to City National and I found out at the time, there were only like 3,500 colleagues. I mean, there's only five now. And I was like, oh my God, you know, everybody's going to, I was almost, it was almost like I was afraid to send out an email or, uh, you know, because it's like, how many eyes are going to look at this and see, you know, the mistake and there's nowhere to hide, you know, in other words, there's nowhere to hide. 
Um, and some of the banks, you can go try something, you know, because they're so big. Let me go try this initiative over here, this pilot. If it doesn't work, you know, I'll, okay, I'll come back over here. But at City National, all eyes are on everything, right? But I have come to really love that because in the work that I do, especially the internal piece of it, um, you know, we get the opportunity and we have created a lot of momentum now where there are just a lot of connectivity for colleagues to connect with each other, um, to connect with managers, to really, you know, get what they need. And for me, <clears throat> for me, we spend so much time, those of us who have to work in for somebody else, you know, for a living, we spend so much time with them and in their environment. It's lovely when you can have a role in crafting your own environment that you're spending so much time in every day and create connections that are meaningful to you beyond, you know, that work. And also find somebody or find people that can help you even bring meaning to that work beyond, you know, reaping benefits for, for the company. Of course, we all want to satisfy the shareholders so we can get paid. We, we also want to know, I think, that in a 40, 50-hour, sometimes 60-hour day, that the work that we're doing is really impacting somebody in a positive way, right? And when I was at a, another bank, there, the, the CEO there used to say that um, to us, you know, folks that work for that bank, he said, we have the best jobs ever because we get to help people make dreams come true. And when you think about it that way, right, um, you know, helping to bridge that wealth gap, helping somebody to send their kids to college, you know, helping to, you know, get that dream home you've always wanted or that vacation home you never thought that you would be able, you know, to get to, um, to get that student loan so that you can, you know, maybe bring your whole family up, right? Um, those, that, that brings me great pleasure. And to be able to help an individual to, you know, to find out what are their best features and skill sets that they can use to grow their own career for the good and for the purpose of being able to help somebody else gives me great pleasure. And so, you know, that, that's, what I, that's what I love about my job. And I've just been fortunate for so many decades to be able to be in a position to help people, you know, and, and the other thing I've learned about corporate America is there are always going to be challenges. You know, you can leave one and go to the other. You're going to run into those same challenges. So at some point in time, you, if you want to do this work, if you want to be impactful, you dig in and you, you know, choose your battles in order to tr try to fit, figure out how to win some wars, right? What is the best advice you've ever received during your career? Yeah, and there's 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 a couple, but this one always stands out, and I talk about it all frequently. In fact, I was just talking about it last week, and I wrote about it in one of the chapters of this book. But when I got my first management assignment at uh, Bank of America, and it was in a commercial real estate group, construction lending, and I was, you know, maybe I don't know, thirty-ish, you know, right around thirty, and I got this job, and there were a couple other people that had been vying for it. And I knew there were some salty, you know, feelings. And the division manager flew down from San Francisco to have lunch with me. And I was layers, you know, removed from her. And she, her name was, we called her Reggie. And her name was Regina Chang. She was first um, generation Chinese immigrant, came to this country when she was four years old, didn't speak English. And she was an executive vice president, you know, managed in this division. And she came to tell me 
that in my new role as a manager, as a person with some influence, she said, you have the opportunity to help other women. And she said, in particular, you have the opportunity to help black women. Because if you don't help women and you don't help black women, who's going to do it? And, you know, she's like waited for me to give an answer. And I'm like, I guess nobody is, right? And she said, I have always made sure that whenever I can, I help women. She said, and in particular, I go the extra for Asian American women because I don't do it. Who's going to? She said, when you have influence, you have to exercise that for good and you have to do something that nobody else is going to do. You, that's your obligation. That's your responsibility. And that just stuck with me. And I had a unit of 30 women and one guy. And so I set up, uh, oh, and she further told me that there were two women in, the, in my unit that would sabotage me and do me harm uh, because they wanted the job so badly and they could not understand, you know, why they didn't get it. And she said, I'm not going to tell you who they are. She said, I'm going to challenge you to figure that out. And, and your job is you're either going to have to co-opt them and bring them around to, you know, your team, or you're going to have to get rid of them. She said, but that's your first challenge as a manager. And I said, dang. So, but anyway, I had every, I set up an appointment with every one of those women, <clears throat> an hour meeting, and we just talked and I just really got to know who they were, right? Who each woman was, because I'm like, dang, you know, I got to figure out what makes a person tick if I really want them, you know, to produce and I got to figure out what they, if I want them to give me something, I'm going to figure out what I got to give them. What do they want in return? And so I asked every woman, you know, what are your challenges? What do you need to do your best job? And where do you envision yourself in three years? Because I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get there. And, um, oh, and the other thing Reggie told me, she said, but however, she said, whenever you promote a woman of color, she said, you're going to get questioned. She said, so therefore, it has to be so above board and it's not fair, but you need 200% from, you know, the women you help. So that when you are questioned, there's no question. And so I told each of these women, I said, after they told me what they want, I said, I'm going to make sure you get that. I said, we're going to put a plan together and make sure you get that, whether it's, you know, working in this division, getting this corporate title, whatever it was. And I said, but you got to give me 200%. We have to make this division like the best in the bank. And I had a lot of women of color. And, um, and we had a five-year plan to work through. We had $7 billion of non-performing commercial real estate assets to dispose of, either through modification, you know, recovery, uh, you know, write-off, whatever. And we reached that goal in three years. We reached that five-year plan in three years. And I helped every one of those women. I'm fortunate at the end of three years, some people got laid off because the real estate market hadn't picked up. But I'm going to tell you what, every one of those women appreciated the fact. I mean, we went to flip schedules. We did all kinds of stuff so I can get the best. And it was like the best, you know, experiment ever in understanding, you know, really what makes a person tick because it's not all, the, it's not one size fits all. But if we hire people, they're good people. So now it's, you know, up to a manager to figure out how to get that shine, right? Um, because a lot of times it's not about that individual, it's about the manager, it's about the filters and the way we see the world. 
um, and the way that we see that individual before they even showed up. And so, um, yeah, that was a great, that was a great lesson for me. Karen A., I want to ask you this question next. How do you define success? And has that changed through the years for you? Yeah, so my definition of success, you know, it changes over time. But right now, what I wrote down there is really for me right now, it's when I go to bed, I feel like I maximize the day. You know, I maximize the day, which has a double-edged sword because I've always been the kind of person that's like kind of hard to relax, you know? And the older you get, the more you realize you have to relax sometimes. That's part of self-care. But now I'm trying to incorporate like something, you know, I mean, I work out, I work out. That's never been an an issue, but working from home has been different because starting the day is different every time. You know, there's, there's not that much of a routine, you know, some days I might roll over here at eight with my pajamas and I'm here till two, you know, before I take a break. Some days I get up and I exercise and get all ready. And then, you know what I'm saying? So now part of my success is did you you try to have some kind of routine and do some self-care you know, before you even got started in the day, because that kind of sets the tone for the day. But when I go to bed, I want to know that I did something in my head. I have to have done something productive for work and also for my personal creative stuff, or else I just feel like I, I wasn't successful that day. You know, so for me, it's a daily thing as opposed to having to wait for a year or two for some goal and being successful. Cause like, that's too long. I got to have some daily success. Right. And then if I wake up and I'm motivated, I'm excited to get the day going, that I'm, I'm feeling successful already. But I tell you the other thing that for me, success is my, my kids. My kids are really proud of me. My children, and they're in their 30s, they're in their mid-30s, and they are really like proud of me. Like They look up to me. That is like the most gratifying gift from God, really. And my kids cheer me on like that, and they think I'm like some this badass woman. Here is my last question for you. What's that one change you wish to see in the community or in the world and why? So, you know, I put down two or three because one is so hard, but, but Jimmy just encapsulated the one change is if people could just be kind and tolerant to each other. Oh my gosh. Just that, just that would go so far. It would go so freaking far. If we were compelled to be kind, to be kind to each other and, you know, do something when you can just do something every day, do one little small kind thing for, you know, you know, dang, what's so hard? What's so hard? So many other things would fall into place, you know? Yes, I agree. Thank you so much, Karen A. I know so many of our listeners will be inspired by your words, your insights, and your career path. My hat's off to you, Karen A. Thank you, Peggy. I appreciate you reaching out. And uh, we definitely have to stay in touch. And I'm going to lean on you just to get a tip or two on getting my podcast going.
That was Karen A. Clark. She's an artist, coach, and philanthropist. She's also a multicultural strategies manager and business development manager at City National Bank. I admire her ability to balance between a demanding career and her passions. Her story tells us that you can still pursue a dream outside of work, even if you are working in the corporate world doing a very demanding job. Another thing that Karen A said so spot on is that when you have the power to influence, use it to help others. It's important to Karen A that she coaches and teaches others to live their dream, both inside and outside of corporate America. To her, life is a journey, and there's no retirement. If you want to connect with Karen A and find out more about her book and music, reach out to her on LinkedIn. Her new book is called #ThroughTheGlassCeiling. If you enjoyed today's episode or this show, please help me spread the word and subscribe and follow. Also, connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. I'll have all the information in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Sending you love from my heart. Until next time. Her path to success is here to remind you: define success your way, not based on what someone else is doing or what others expect of you. Remember that you are worthy and you have what it takes to succeed.